0: Hello and thank you for listening to episode 215 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave. And I'm Tom. And this is another of our remastered interview shows. The shows that, just in case anybody listening doesn't know, that the interview shows me and Tom did way back when on 80s Picture House. When we talked to,
1: we talked to a lot of great people, didn't we, mate? Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. Fantastic array of all sorts of 80s luminaries. We did. And I think of all the ones we did... Uh I think I'd probably say I was
0: this was definitely top five when I was the most excited. This as... is the
1: one you were hardest for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I shall neither confirm nor deny I was naked while recording.
1: <laughs> or how much damage was done flipping the contents of your uh, desk over. <laughs>
0: Yes, the research I had to do. Oh, um, God. Yeah, you re- vanished for uh, a couple of weeks after we. Came- I did. I overdosed on, like, creepazoids and, um, well, it was called the imp over here, but I know most places it was called sorority babes in the slime bowler armor. Uh, and, of course, I had to give a good hard look at Hollywood chainsaw <laughs> hookers.
1: Uh- <laughs> good hard look.
0: You <laughs> don't right when I say it, <laughs> it's
2: not when you. <laughs>
0: It just adds an extra layer of creepiness when I say it. <laughs> yeah. But I do, I do remember, you know, I like watched her videos loads of times during the 80s and that, and yeah. she was one of those scream queens. I mean, for me, there was her, there was Michelle Bauer and there was Brinkie Stevens, which were like the main three mm. scream queens for the films that I was watching, you know, definitely during the 80s at least, yeah. you know, it was a really good thing. And of course, uh, anybody listening to this that has not heard episode 210, which was a spotlight show where Chris and Adam talked about Return of the Living Dead, please go and have a listen to that, because of course, Linnea Quigley is in that, so that would be worth listening to. Uh, you know, a good pairing of shows to listen to that, and then this one.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: Mm, a good thing about Linnea as well, and we do talk about it on the interview, is she has a lot to do with um, PETA, yes, and you yes, know, really against animal cruelty. You know, which we all are. You know, I, can't, I can't forget the name of the film. Me and Tina watched it the other night and there was there was so many people being killed and it was like, ooh, oh my God, they killed them, they killed them. And then somebody killed a dog and that was it, mate. <laughs> we, we, we were done. It was like, you bastards, how dare you? <laughs> we're done with them.
1: It's... Uh, yeah, it's like a John Wick thing.
0: Yeah, oh, don't, yeah.
1: Just all, just all the whole of these three films just because someone could done his dog and It's like, well, it's understandable.
0: Yeah, we can all relate to that. You know, let's not even get started on Chernobyl. Oh my word! Oh. Uh, it was, it was. I think it does come across in the interview that I am very excited as well, like overly excited. So, um, but you know, I'm not. I'm not going to apologise for that. Oh, should <laughs> you? You know, why should I hide my fandom? Um, but it's good. And also, <laughs> Tom, I, it's something that I mentioned. Uh, I think it was in the, oh, not the previous decade of decadence but the one before that the return of my oap hot list she's she's going to be 62 this year so she can officially go on there still congratulations thank you thank you tom i know you like being kept up to date with my oap hot list and uh you know the the new the new people that have been uh, added to it
1: oh or in some cases taken off it <laughs> i guess i get yeah so has that happened? ah you he <laughs> <your penis> just died
0: <laughs> not as i can remember no i shall i shall have to consult my list and uh, and get back to you on that one give it a good hard look ah uh, yes again <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, yes yeah, see if anybody has unfortunately passed away and is no longer with us but and then sadly remove them from said list yes
1: i hope you do <laughs>
0: yeah i will do Anyway, shall we disappear and let yes. the listeners have a listen to us uh, in a show that was originally released in July 2013?
1: My God, seven years ago,
0: mate. Coming up to seven years ago, mate.
1: thats That doesn't even
0: compute. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think we recorded it on state-of-the-art equipment back then, which you know we all had tin cans and very long pieces of string.
1: I was probably still on the old computer, the old desktop.
0: Oh, your steam-powered computer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Three, seven years.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'd be on the old headset that kept uh, just throwing a fit now and again because it was a Microsoft headset plugged into an iMac and didn't want to be friends with it. No,
1: no. Hmm. But,
0: you know, we've said before, the reason for these shows, we don't want them to be lost. So, you know, hence why we're doing a new intro to them and putting them out there. And people that did listen to them back then can re-listen and then people that miss them the first time around well you know a new home for them and they can have a listen to that
2: yeah exactly
0: hmm. right let's bugger off then and leave them with me you and linnea quigley
3: hi i'm linnea quigley and you're listening to the 80s picture house and you better be kind to animals or i'll come and cut you with my chainsaw
0: Uh, and tonight, God, oh, we are so excited. We're going to chat with a lady who has starred in some of our, or oh, some of the best films ever, as far as we're <laughs> concerned. She is the amazing Linnea Quigley. Hello, Linnea.
3: Hello there. Oh, How are you?
0: Oh, we are doing really well. How are you?
3: Very good. Very, very good. Now that I'm talking to you guys. Oh, yeah. And you're you're all the way in Calgary tonight. I'm in Calgary, getting ready for the Calgary Horror Con. Oh, and how's that going? I know you've got
0: a few days before it starts.
3: It's going great so far. Um, it's going to be very exciting. A lot of great guests, great vendors. It's going to be a great show. Oh, that's good. I wish, uh, wish we could go there. That's for sure. I know. <laughs> Just come over the pond and, oh, and if, join us. Only if only. Have you got any plans to come over to the UK anytime soon? Not that I know of. Um, I've done some films over there, but I've not been there.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, if lately, you, if you do, let please let us know.
3: Okay. I will definitely
0: uh, well, we will start this if you could let the listeners know how did a girl from Iowa get involved in the movie business
3: well I was in Iowa very 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 shy never making cheerleader never making glee club never making um, plays nothing like that and at about 16 years old when I graduated from high school my parents moved to la and i decided at that point i was going to move anyway to either you know somewhere warm iowa was cold so i went along with them and it just happened that i just fell into acting i kind of got over a little bit of shyness and started doing you know little bit parts and then bigger parts and bigger parts and (laughs) until you know it was a long long tedious thing but i enjoyed it all the way
0: and i was looking your first credit on imdb is 75 but if i remember rightly i think the first film where you got actual dialogue was that adult fairy tales or was it a bit further on yeah
3: yeah it was fairy tales exactly and i was terrified to do that because i here i was so shy and You know, I had to be nude in it. And I remember doing push-ups, trying to get my adrenaline going so that I wouldn't be thinking of it. (laughs) I was like so terrified. And then, I mean, just having a line or two was like a big thing for me. Wow. You know, because usually I was in the background like dancing or, you know, uh, just walking by or something like that. So it was like a big thing to have a big line in the film. Did you know
0: then that this is what you wanted to do?
3: Yes, I did. I got the acting bug.
0: Yeah. I know the first time that I saw you was in 84 in Savage Streets. Oh, Uh, wow. Yeah, with Linda Blair. That was the first time I saw you. And uh, I should get the fanboy in me out early, just out of the way, because from then on, after that, I just, like, followed everything that you released on VHS. Really? Yes, yeah, yeah, everything. So... uh, that's, that's why it's such a big deal to chat with you tonight. I just, sorry, I just had to get the fanboy out early and then we can, we can have <laughs> this th- so thin veneer sweet. of professionalism afterwards. Okay, that's <laughs> true. That is really sweet.
3: <laughs> I was like so intimidated by l- working with Linda Blair because at first it was going to be Cherie Curry from The Runaways. Remember the band The Runaways? Yes, yeah. And they um, got rid of her the day before filming and Linda Blair walks in and here I was like a big fangirl and I'm like, oh my God, it's Linda Blair,
0: you know, <laughs> and I have
3: to play her sister. I was like so intimidated.
0: Yeah. And you've got, you've got some rough scenes in that film to do as well.
3: Oh, yes. Yes. They were not easy, believe it or not.
0: Uh, <laughs> so how how did you cope with scenes like that? And of course, you're playing a character that yes. uh, was, was deaf and dumb as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
3: it was it was really hard. I just like tried to just stay in character, and like I almost felt like I couldn't hear when I was doing the role. It was like I just kind of—I don't want to say became the character, but I just like kind of went with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. And um, I forget. I think I was a year or the same age as Linda and I was like so nervous because they kept firing people and I thought oh my god I'm going to be fired because I'm blonde with blue green eyes and Linda's like you know dark haired with dark eyes and we're about the same height that was the first time I made myself shorter I said oh I'm one," <laughs> you know but it was really challenging playing that role because of not being able to talk at all
0: yeah and especially
3: that... the rape scene it was very very unnerving to do that oh, and the yeah. guys stayed in character that's for sure
0: oh my word that must have been quite scary
3: it was scary
0: now i i'm gonna go on to i'm gonna go into on to 1985 and you must be sick to death of talking about this but we can't we can't ignore it because it's it's such an iconic character of trash in return of the living dead um, um and i'm sure there's so many stories to tell i mean there's there's the obviously there's the scene where you're dancing on the on the tombstone um i'm sure the majority of the listeners know the story of that but for those that don't um you had to undergo some quite um, different prosthetic work shall we say for that scene
3: oh boy did i i mean it's one of my favorite films but it was one of the hardest ones to make um i had probably everything molded that you can mold on a human body (laughs) you know life casted and everything and um I had to wear the Barbie doll appliance which was like a little g-string that you know so it made me look like unisex or whatever and also they couldn't show frontal nudity so that was like a little thing there too um I think it kind of freaked out a lot of people that had never seen a girl naked before they were <laughs> like what what what's going on there but it was um it was really an interesting process doing that film because uh, Dan O'Bannon was really he had his his image that he wanted to get across and he really did a great job doing it and all the actors did too mhm And the special effects people, you know, when they brought in someone else other than Bill Munns, they did a great job.
0: Yeah, because is it right the effects weren't going the way that they They wanted to? They weren't going
3: good, no, no. No, the guy just really didn't know what he was doing. He took on too big of a project, and so they called in Kenny Myers, who pulled it off. And Tony Gardner also. Uh Aha. Because, of course,
0: you had a load of prosthetic work, on. When you got when you got bitten and you and you changed and then you, oh, you went yes. and went for the bite on the neck and the, the, your mouth opens it wide. What was that like to have all that done? I'm taking it. They must have made a mask of your face to start with.
3: Oh yeah, they did the life cast of my face, which I I actually didn't mind. It was the prosthetics that drove me nuts because you know you couldn't drink out of it because the jaw was so low. You know I was um I, they kept trying to use different color kinds of paints on me because it couldn't wash off and so I'd go home at six in the morning and I couldn't wash off this white makeup all over my body and it was just really really hard to like try to sleep with all this makeup on Mm -hmm. but it was like hours of you know them putting on the latex pieces and painting them and you know painting my body and it it was it was pretty grueling had you got any idea at
0: the time as well of how big this film would be? Was there any sort of sense that this could be a film that will have a long life to it?
3: No. Nobody thought that, you know, we thought we were just doing another horror film. And we took it very serious. And we had no idea that it would ever, ever, ever be a cult following. We, we're all still, like, shocked when we go to conventions together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there's characters in it as well that are in the film longer than you are they have more screen screen time but it's your character is sort of the iconic vision of the film
3: oh well thank you yeah she's pretty wild and and um it's too bad she didn't last longer but i she got her wish that's for sure oh that's for sure yeah (laughs) she got her wish by eaten by a bunch of old men (laughs) or zombies
0: (laughs) Was it as cold as it looked when you were shooting that, film, that scene? Oh,
3: it was so cold. I think, I think, I'm not positive, but I think it was October and it was at night, which gets cold in L.A. Mm-hmm. And with the rain machines, you'd just be standing there and going, oh, my God, they're going to start any minute now. It was horrible. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was bad.
0: Uh- I've just realised I just realized i have not even let Tom have a word in edgeways yet. I okay. knew this would happen if, we, if I was talking to you. So please oh, do- that's
2: great. <laughs> please, <laughs> well, I, was wait- I
1: was waiting for all the uh, Return of the Living Dead questions to get asked, so then, then I was going to jump in. Um, to backtrack um, a year to 1984, um, same year Savage Streets. Um, a film that I watch, uh, I'm sure Dave does as well every Christmas, Silent Night, Deadly Night. You did oh, have a- boy. Not a massive role, but probably one of the most memorable deaths in horror films how was working on that
3: that was actually fun it was like it was funny because you know there was some contention about like running up the stairs with just my shirt off you know because a woman would always put a top on not shorts but put a top on it's like all of a sudden she's making out with her boyfriend and and it's like oh i've got to let the cat out or in you know and um but they had to have my top off so that they could show the antlers going through my stomach so it was it was cold and it was in utah we did it above salt lake city and it was very cold doing it but and i had to like straddle when i was impaled this like wire like not a wire thing but like a a aluminum thing, and it was very uncomfortable. And then, when I'm like hanging there and I can't breathe because the antlers will move every time I breathe, they had the stage of fight underneath me, and I couldn't believe it. I'm like trying to stay perfectly still, not breathe, <laughs> be cold, and you know, they're fighting underneath me. <laughs> what would you so say? It that, was funny.
0: I mean, you've been killed a few times in, on film. <laughs> so what, what would you say would be your favourite death that you've had to endure
3: well I think Silent Night Deadly Night was probably the funniest with the impaling on antlers there's um uh Witch Trap where I get a shower head through my my uh, throat which is pretty weird a mm-hmm. possessed shower head of course <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much that happens but that was really weird um and then um, I've had, like, a lot of weird deaths, but I think the weirdest was, like you said, the Silent Night, Deadly Night One, mm-hmm. being impaled on antlers.
0: And when did the whole Scream Queen thing kick in for you?
3: It was probably... Mm, around the time I was doing... Sorority Babes in the Slimeball bull o And I was on USA Up All Night and People Mm -hmm. Magazine and Premiere. And it like took on a life of its own. And I was on all these TV shows, MTV and this and that. And, you know, um, I was honored to be like a Scream Queen because Mm -hmm. I loved horror as a kid. So it was like a big honor for me.
0: Oh, yeah. It was huge. I remember there was uh, the Scream Queen magazine was out
3: oh gosh yes
0: yeah i've still got all of them as well
3: (laughs) oh i love it well you'll be glad to know that i just did for fangoria they're re-releasing gore zone and i just did a spread in there which is kind of like playboy-ish so i just did that last weekend
0: right i will be watching out for that on the shelves over here yeah it'll be out
3: pretty soon too
0: (laughs) Because this this was at the period you mentioned sorority babes. Um, love that film. It was called The Imp over here. We got a really crappy title for
3: yes, it. Yes. I came I... with Colorbox. Yes. Uh,
0: that's it. Over yeah. there
3: and did a tour. Yes. For The Imp and Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers.
0: And they changed the name of that. They called it Hollywood Hookers and just put a picture of a chainsaw in the middle.
3: That's right. I forgot that.
0: Oh, stupid censorship. <laughs> I know it. Oh but this this was one of my favorite eras um with films for you it was like 87 into 88 there was three on the bounce and well I've got them all the next to me now on DVD there's Creepazoids uh, and then you did Sorority Babes uh both of those with David Dakota as well
3: yes what was it yes. like working with him I love working with David Dakota we just did one I was about 2 years ago now with Michelle Brink and I, called Cougar Cult thirteen thirteen, and it was like kind of melancholy getting together and doing another film because it was like it wasn't like it was on DVD video high def, and it wasn't on film like we used to do it. But you know, it was great to be with David and John Schuweiler again,
0: mm-hmm. and, and cool. with
3: Michelle and Brink.
0: Oh, that's how I was going to say because that was like for me the holy trinity was you, yes. Michelle Bauer, and Brink Stevens. Yes, and, um, and
3: they're all great still. They're all yeah, great.
0: Yeah, because you're still in touch with them. I know you were in. Um, you were all in a film together just a couple of years ago too.
3: Yes, yes, and, we did the Trouble with Barry and then Cougar Cult.
0: Plans for any more working together?
3: I hope so. I hope so. Um You know, my biggest challenge is not being in L.A. right now, you know, because it's like, um, you know, they're both in L.A. And I had to leave L.A. because my parents got sick and moved to Florida. So, you know, it makes it hard to, you know, do movies, like be flown back, especially when you're working on a minuscule budget. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: What's the the big changes that you found then between sort of – during the well because with the 80s picture house let's stick to the 80s for now the films then and the movie business now what was the big changes that you've seen in it
3: well they i think they took it more serious and not everybody and their brother could make a film because you were dealing with film you know 16 or 35 millimeter mm. and you had to know what you were doing and now with you know all the cameras out now you can even do a file you know a, a a film if you want to call it that on your phone um so all of a sudden a lot of those people jumped in and got on the bandwagon were making a lot of awful films Mm -hmm. yeah you know whereas the 80s you really needed to know what you were doing and a lot of times they would play on you know a market or just like a couple of days the weekend and in the theater or something like that and it was really exciting and they would always play on usa up all night which we had here in the states
0: what was the first film that you saw yourself in on the big screen on the cinema
3: i think it was fairy tales i went to the screening and i it just i was so embarrassed i was <laughs> like oh my god that's me you know and it i just kind of slumped down to my seat in fact I did another one close to that time called Don't Go Near the Park, which is a god-awful film. (laughs) But I remember I had a feeling it was going to be, and I went to the screening, and I threw up before the screening like a couple times because I was so nervous because I thought it was going to be so bad. And I remember just sinking down into my chair. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Oh, no. But that's out there. And if anybody gets a chance to watch it, it's pretty bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I need to look out for that one. That's one I have <laughs> got.
3: Oh, yes. See the pretty bad. Yeah, I had to play a a young girl that gets seduced by this man and he's evil. And then I play a mom and they put some stipple on me and tried to make me look old. And back then when I was like 17 or 18, I looked like I was like, you know probably 15 or something like that Mm -hmm. so it was like it it was pretty weird what are your favorite parts
0: to play then what would you uh, if you could pick a part which would it be
3: oh of course the tough girl the mean person the the um the badass chick those are the most fun to play (laughs) the nice girls aren't fun to play
1: um in the Late 70s and early 80s, Yet you are in a couple of all-girl bands as well, Mad, Whistle, and The Skirts. How did um, you dabble into music come about?
3: I just had an interest. I took piano when I was a kid, but it just wasn't my instrument. And I got into guitar, and I joined a punk band, and it was really, really fun. It was like one of those fun experiences where you just are like, you know, you, know, you don't have to play like... Uh, you know, great, but then I got better and better and, you know, started writing and and recording and I loved it. I loved writing and recording. And the skirts I still am in touch with the bass player all the time.
1: And but yeah, you reform you reformed them in two thousand and three as well.
3: Yes. Yes, exactly. And the only thing that keeps us from playing right now is the distance between, you know, where she lives and where I live. Mm-hmm. Mm. Would you like to do uh, any more music with them, if at, at all possible? Oh, yes, I would love to. I would love to. It was like a real honor to be have my music in some movies. Like it was in um, uh, The Girl I Want. and I think it was The Girl I Want. No, uh, Nightmare Sisters and uh, High Heels, The Rise and Fall of, of the B-movie Scream era. Mm -hmm. which is a great documentary by Jason Paul Cullum. It is. It's a great
0: documentary, yeah. It is
3: good. It really explains what happened to the video stores. And Michelle Brink and I are in it, along with a lot of other cool people, David Dakota, Fred Olin Ray, Richard Gabby, just a lot of really cool people. And um, I would love to, you know, I added some music into that, too. But I would love to do more recording and playing. Oh,
0: fingers crossed. Hopefully you will. Let us know if you do well, as well.
3: Well, I do have, right after I leave Calgary, I have a musical that I'm doing, a musical horror movie. So that'll be interesting.
0: Oh, yeah. That will be good. Mm. Yes. I'm going to take you to 1988 Hollywood Chainsaw Huckers. Or, well, as I mentioned earlier, it was Hollywood Huckers over here. Yes. Um, why? Why they have to sense of the word chainsaw I have no idea at all Um, I don't either no it was was a weird time over here with videos that it was um you you worked with Gunnar Hansen of course he was well known that he played Leatherface in the first Texas Chainsaw Uh, oh yeah when I ask you directed by Fred Olin Ray please please tell me what's it like to work with Fred because I've watched so many of his films too
3: He's got a very dry sense of humor and very witty and he's he's we did Hollywood chainsaw hookers in three days with one day of pickups it was It was really interesting working with him because you don't know if he's kidding or if he's serious a lot of times, <laughs> so you have to like you know kind of guess like you know wait you know we he bet me a quarter that I couldn't get through this one dialogue and one take. So I won the quarter. I was like, yeah, you owe me a quarter. <laughs> I never saw the quarter, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you have some good times on the, the set of the films as well.
3: Oh, yeah. I, I was like so intimidated again by meeting Gunnar Hansen because I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And he was like the nicest guy in the world. He helped jumpstart my car because I left the lights on in it. And he was just a really great guy.
0: Because I was going to ask, because you've been in so many horror films, do you actually watch horror films? Oh yes, yeah.
3: When I was a kid, we'd have like Saturday nights. The at like eleven or ten, the movies would start, and my my friends and I would all like watch them. Would eat pizza and watch, you know, you know, uh, the first. Uh, night of the living dead and mm-hmm. you know then we'd like make fun of the dialogue and come at each other and watch <laughs> the birds and you know i'd scare my friends saying oh you've got to walk home now and look at all those birds on the wire and you know <laughs> just just evil things like that
0: <laughs> is there anything out lately that uh that you like is there anything that scares you now because of course you've seen it.
3: it's really hard to scare me because i know different things the only movie that scared me which isn't really a horror film but really made a difference in my life of being scared of something was jaws oh yeah Mm. jaws really affected me to where when i go in the ocean i'm pretty scared (laughs) oh yeah i
0: remember watching that for the first time too Uh, oh man very scary
3: oh yes oh yes that's a scary one
0: that's still in the 80s night of the demons Oh, is it
3: still? Oh, my God. I wasn't going to take that role because I'd gone on so many auditions and they rejected you, you know, because, oh, you're too old. And I was supposed to be playing a high schooler. And I was probably, I would say, 26 or something, 27 at the time. And I thought, no, nobody's going to think I'm a high schooler. And I kept telling my manager, no, I'm not going to go on the interview. I'm Then he call me back. No, they really want to see you. And I go, no, I don't want the rejection. I'm not going to go on the interview. And then he me back. No, they really, really want to see you. And I'd be like, no, I'm not going to go. And he finally convinced me to go. And they hired me on the spot. And I was like, whoa, this is weird.
0: <laughs> and I, I think one of the, the famous scenes out of that, of course, with you is the – the infamous lipstick scene. Oh, gosh. uh, Would you like to explain that for the the odd listener listening to this that might not know what I'm talking about?
3: Well, the (laughs) lipstick scene is when I get possessed and I start acting very odd and I'm like drawing on my face and I'm drawing on my breasts and I actually put the lipstick in my nipple and it goes through into my breast and disappears. So... I um, I had to do it left-handed, and I'm right-handed, so I like tried to like make the circle and do it, and I actually pulled it off. But um, it was a really I love films that have that really controversial little scene like that mm-hmm. in them, where people don't are like, where did that come from?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, because you, you definitely don't expect it when you're watching the film.
3: No, that's what the first I heard. Time.
0: And it looks no. it looks so good. It's such a great effect
3: yeah oh good i'm glad to hear that
0: yeah i mean we've we've always championed we much prefer practical effects over what seems to be just cg all the time now
3: oh my gosh cg blood looks terrible oh Mm. yeah yeah yeah. it's really bad and yeah practical effects are the best
0: more time consuming a lot more waiting around though is the for the practical stuff
3: oh of course yeah it's a lot of waiting around and if it doesn't go right again you have to clean up and do it again
1: um, the same year in nineteen eighty. Excuse me, nineteen eighty-eight. You were uh, one of the souls in Freddie's chest in um, Elm Street Four. Was was that ever going to be a bigger role for you? Because it's just a sort of blinking you'd no. miss it almost.
3: No, it was just like a, I was like um, engaged to Steve Johnson, who did some of the effects on it, and he talked to the director and they said oh it'd be great to have just Linnea do something they didn't have anything for me they'd already you know started principal photography but they said well why doesn't she be a soul coming out of Freddy's chest so it was never meant to be anything more than just a little little thing that was in there but it was funny when we were doing it we were on this really huge Freddy chest and we were pushing through this dental dam this pliant like you know material and we're stretching and stretching on apple boxes you know up in the air and all of a sudden the whole thing fell and the operator on top came tumbling down this old japanese woman and onto the concrete it almost hit the camera and we were kind of bruised up and everything but it kind of shook everybody up a lot oh no yeah, it was like and they anchored it better and we had to do it again and everybody was like I mean they they airbrushed me with this suit on and then they put KY jelly all over my body so I could, you know, move against the dental dam. And man, if you have KY jelly on your whole body, you start freezing. It is the coldest thing you can do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wanna ask as well, is is it true that in the early nineties you did the test to become a police officer
3: oh yes i went yeah. through a year of, of it of um to become an lapd officer i really wanted to do that i was really into the um all the aspects of being a police officer mm-hmm. and so i took all the tests the written the psychological the mental the um background which took a long time because i had to show them all my movies And I had just done a Playboy shoot in a police car. I was like, oh, my God. And I kind of, like, ripped out the police car part of it and showed it to them. And it was near the Rodney King incident. So everybody was very cautious of who they were going to hire. But I chickened out at the last minute and got back into acting. But it took a year to go through all that training. Wow.
0: That must have been Um. hard work then.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: Um. To jump forward a few years into the '90s, now um, it's sort of an obscure. I can't even remember the circumstances of me seeing it. It's a kind an obscure film, but it's got a. The actors have got a lot in common because you have Joe Estes, Don Swayze, Joey Travolta, and Jackie Stallone in Beach Babes and Beyond. And oh a, uh, my articles. God! Yeah, yes. that was. Uh, a <laughs> uh, Well, any memories of working on that one?
3: I just remember that they closed the set because. David Dakota got mad because I was working on um, Pumpkinhead 2 at the time and he thought it was going to cut into the time but my managers had already arranged everything so nothing would cut into everything but he closed down the set and he pulled me out of the makeup chair and said, you're making me close down this set because you're doing another movie and we had to go to the pay phone. This was before cell phones got a lot of reception. And call the managers, we were in Malibu, and I was just like shaking. I'm like, oh my God, David's mad at me. <laughs> but I remember it was just really, that was the first time where I didn't play one of the beach babes.
0: Mm. Wow. And the year before that as well, uh, I mentioned earlier that everything you were in, I just bought it on VHS. And oh, we got to ninety-two. This was the first one I bought of yours that was on Laserdisc. I actually went out and bought a Laserdisc player, and I bought *Innocent Blood*. You were a nurse Oh that. wow! That
3: mm-hmm. was so fun. Yes.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, what was it like to work to work on that film? Because that's one of my favorite films
3: as well. It, well I, think I was it's... scared to death because it was John Landis and yeah. a big film production, and the scene they did before mine, it was like kind of reversed They had the extras. Running in and seeing Don Rickles and, you know, kind of screaming and stuff. And then he couldn't, John Landis couldn't get a reaction from the extras that were running in. So he kept doing it again, take after take. And he was getting really, really upset. So all of a sudden he did another take and he shot off a starter pistol. And they still didn't react. And he was just so upset. And then my scenes coming up, I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's going to, like, really pick on me now. You know, I thought, you know, he's like that kind of director or something. But he was like, he loved the, what I did. So it was like, thank God.
0: Well, yeah, thank God he did. Yes,
3: I was like, is he going to shoot me or what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and with, with Pumpkinhead, too, as well, is there any difference feel on the set of a film when it's a sequel to what there is when it's just like an original story
3: well it's not when it's a sequel it seems like it's downplayed a lot but you know you're doing a film that was made well the time before so it's like you want to you feel like you have to keep up with the film that was before so there's a lot of um like tension on the set more so Mm Mm-hmm even though jeff burr is a sweetheart to work with as a director
0: ah, and you've been a producer as well what's it like to be a producer on a film
3: i love it i love it i love getting the different aspects together and you know talking to actors and getting them involved and i love it any uh, any ambition directing at all Have you ever thought about doing that yeah, I would really like to direct something. It would be really fun to do something. i you know, hopefully I'll get that chance to. But I think that's something that I could do really well.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm.
1: Um, to go back um, a bit further, back to 1990, you you brought your own workout video out, uh, Linnea Quigley's horror workout, and I know one of our listeners, uh, Jeremy. He's got. Is he still got it, hasn't he, Dave? He has. Yeah, he has.
3: Oh, my gosh. Well, tell them it's re-released in May. It was re-released on DVD with commentary even.
1: Oh, we were, we were after that. How did it all come about, that happening?
3: We were on the set of David Dakota's Murder Weapon, and Ken Hall, who is the special effects guy, was on the set, and we were doing this scene where I have a this big sledgehammer and I'm like lifting it up and putting it down and they had to do it like you know 20 times and we started laughing about you know running and everything it's like such a such a physicality that you're doing in horror films all the time and so we he said well let's do a horror workout you know Jane Fonda had hers all these other girls had theirs so we thought okay we're gonna have a You know, he wrote it up in a couple days and we started filming pretty much right away. We got funding and it was just a real, you know, fun thing to do, you know, just making fun of all these exercise videos and putting the slumber party girls and the zombies chasing after me, you know, on, on, you know, while I'm working out and jogging and stuff like that. So it was a really fun concept that, so we thought about it really when we were working on another film.
0: It's good that it's got that DVD release. I noticed that today, and um, I am going to click order on that as well. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> good,
3: good. You can get it on my site too, which is www. www.com I mean, I can't think. www.linnea-quigley.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can get it there too, where I personally autograph it.
0: Yeah, that's definitely where I will be buying it from. Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, you're so sweet. Oh, that's all right. <laughs>
0: You've got two books out as well. I got the first one. I have got the Bio and Chainsaw book, but I haven't got the I'm Screaming as Fast as I Can. What, well, what was it like doing those books? Well, that's good you
3: have that one. I love doing those books because, well, my next one will be a real tell Also, I did a ah. third one called Skin, which was a Madonna take-off all right. of her book, Skin, uh, her book Sex, but it was with monsters, and I called it Skin. But doing those books was 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 fun but the next one I do is really going to be a tell-all
0: oh I was this is I what really was leading tell-all. to yeah I was just going to yes. ask if they'd got any plans to write uh, a full like autobiography
3: oh yeah I definitely want to write one I mean Kane Hodder's got one uh, Lance Hendrickson's got one so I've got and Bruce Campbell so yes I want to do one that's oh, really brilliant. really naughty <laughs>
0: Any sort of tentative date for when we might see it
3: not yet, but I would say in the next couple of years,
0: oh good, oh well, again, keep us updated on it, and you know we'll, we'll oh happily, I will we'll promote the hell out of it,
3: oh, well, thank you um.
0: You mentioned earlier the documentary, The Screaming in High Heels, The Rise and yes. Fall of the Scream Queen era. And again, I, I said then, it is a really, really good documentary. Um I will put a link up for where people can buy that too on, on this week's podcast notes. Um, the Scream Queen era, it was it was huge in the 80s going into the 90s. And then it just seemed to sort of peter away. Do you have any idea of why that happened at all?
3: I think that a lot of the girls were saying they were scream queens and people like at first believed it and then they said, well, what movie have you done? And they would say, well, I took a picture with me with blood in it, you know, and it, it kind of like, you know, I think the ones that were, you know, like Michelle and Brink and I that had actually done films and loved horror, you know, kind of like, just took reign of these girls and got rid of them.
2: <laughs> and
3: we won't tell where the bodies are buried, will we? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a shame, though, because I know a lot of actors and actresses, if they did some of the so-called B-movies, will look back on them with with shame almost sometimes. And it's it's great that people like yourself were in these movies and you're proud to be in these movies. And as fans, it's... I mean I for one would rather watch one of your movies than say like the Meryl Street film. You know Oh it's, I think wow, these Wow, thank you. I think they're far more entertaining and for rewatchability, you can watch them far more far more times. And it's good that you're always there with fans and you're always personable and you know, like tonight you you're willing to talk about them too.
3: Oh yes, of course. Yes. Would... I mean, I love the, the different fans and things like that. They're great. Great people.
0: Yeah, you think the horror fans, for some reason, they do seem to be the most like, passionate and, and loyal fans than any other genre, for some reason.
3: You are right about that. They are not finicky. And it's like, you know, as long as you don't, like make fools of them like the Blair Witch Project did or um, some of these paranormal activity movies and stuff like that. You know, they're loyal, but, you know, you try to, like, pull one over on them and they are not going to like you at all. <laughs> they can they can detect if you're real or not.
0: Mm-hmm. You must have had a few stories at conventions and so on with um, the odd... Uh... I don't want to say strange fan, but has has anything ever unsettled you as far as like fans coming towards you?
3: Not really. I've been lucky. I mean, I've seen people shake and cry and, you know, um, transvestites, uh, the gamut. Um, The weirdest thing I saw was a girl that was in her 40s jump on Christopher Lee's back. And they had to get her (laughs) off. They had to remove her. That was a weird thing. That was a really weird thing to see. But I've been pretty lucky. I haven't had, I've had weird letters, but not really anybody besides the ones that linger at your table for hours and don't go away. Mm -hmm. You know, they just stand there. Those are the weird ones.
0: (laughs) Just don't, don't say a word. They just stare at you. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yes, they just stare at you and you think, what are you staring at? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you're in Calgary, we mentioned for the, the Calgary HorrorCon that's on from August the 3rd to the 4th. Um, yes. How did you get involved in that?
3: Um, I was here last year with it and they asked me back for it this year. And I'm an ambassador with them, which is really exciting. It's really exciting because the lineup is amazing. We've got Horsher Gordon-Lewis... Patricia Tallman, Tony Todd, Tom Savini, Bill Mosley, Michael Berryman, Cleve Hall, Jessica Cameron. I mean, there's a whole lot of, and, you know, plus just the the people that are going to be performing and the gala events and um, the vendors. It's going to be an amazing show.
0: That sounds really good. Herschel Gordon Lewis as well. Wow.
3: Yes. Oh, yes. I can't wait to meet him.
0: Yeah. Have you never met him before now?
3: No, no this will be the first time I've ever met him. Oh, wow.
0: Is there anybody else in the, that you would
3: like to meet? Uh, I've met everybody else. I worked with Tony Todd and Bill Mosley on a movie not long ago called Disciples. But, um, you know, I've met everyone else.
0: Have you got any sort of cinematic heroes that you would like to meet that you haven't met yet?
3: Yes, and you'll probably laugh at it because it's, some of them aren't horror. Uh, I love Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love um, – let me think of some others. Antonio Banderas I think is very very talented. Um, let me think of some others. The, I'd love to meet Jack Nicholson. I mean, he was great in The Shining and almost every movie he does. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, it would be great to work in a Quentin Tarantino movie. I'd lo- I would know Quentin from years ago because we were with the same management, but it would be great to work in one of his movies. I read for Reservoir Dogs, but if you watch, there are no girl parts in it. And I read for – they in the original script, there was a girl cop in there, and I read for that. But then they cut out all the girl parts. Oh, no. Oh. Yes. Oh, fingers
0: crossed for another part then. In a, I in know. The of the I'm film.
3: crossing. I'm crossing. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: What films have you got upcoming at the moment then? What have you got planned?
3: I've got that musical horror one that's coming up um, right after I leave Calgary. And it's got a, the unquenchable thirst for Bo. I can't remember the last name, but it it's it's a weird last name, new juice or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I've got the um the Hunters, which is coming to film pretty soon. I've got it came from within the ether that's coming out. Demonica, which is a demons on roller skating skating movie. Uh I've got out now Girls Gone Dead which is a fun little film I only have a cameo in it though and um, right now there's talk of me working with Horser Gordon Lewis so that's very exciting
0: oh yeah so let's be... hope
3: that happens let's mm-hmm. hope that happens
0: yeah fingers crossed that's for sure yes yes was there any points that you thought um, of leaving the movie business at all or has it always been a part of you that you, this is what you do is there what? Has there, any been a, has there ever been a time when you've you've thought you wanted to do something apart from the movie business? I know because I know you're heavily involved in PETA. Uh, oh, yeah. For the ethical treatment of animals, which is a great cause. Yes. too, And you've been yes. involved in that for, for quite a long time.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, I do that. And, you know, by acting, I can get a voice out for them, which is great and do different, you know, things to help them and you know save animals myself i do a lot of that um and then of course i wanted to be the police officer mm-hmm. but you know mainly this is really what i do and i love it
0: and we're glad you do it
3: well thank you again
0: <laughs> tom are you still there sorry i just, <laughs> We talked about this before. We knew this would happen. I would just because I've been so excited, I would just gabble away at you. (laughs) I wouldn't be the fan that would be standing there staring. I would just inanely and
2: say no. I usually when I meet
3: when I meet somebody that I'm like a fan of, I stare at my feet, I can't even talk, I'm so bad. (laughs)
1: <laughs> mm, yeah me too
3: <laughs> yes it's terrible because I can't think of anything that's interesting to say I just think they've heard it all so I yeah, just stare exactly. at my feet <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, I'm guessing that I mean one of the most probably the question you've been asked the most surely it must be something related to Return of the Living Dead oh yes Yeah.
3: yes I think that's because that's the most popular film
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah true if for any reason, some bizarre reason, there's somebody listening to this that has never seen a Linnea Quigley movie and you could only give them a the title of one, what would you say for them to watch?
3: Well, of course, Return of the Living Dead or Night of the Demons, I would say.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm. that was a great one.
3: Those two, I think, are the best to watch to get, you know, a little start of... A linear quigleyism. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what's the latest thing you've you've, uh, you've had with Petter? Then I know it's like it's always an ongoing thing. Is there anything that the listeners can do to help with that?
3: Um, just kind of like thinking when you do buy something, or you know, thinking of the animals, and you know, maybe you know, just reading up on it and and seeing what you can do, maybe just to make. A difference in the lives of these poor research animals or, uh, you know, maybe not eating as much meat or no meat at all or, you know, just making small changes and they might lead to bigger changes. Mm-hmm. Every little step helps. Oh, yeah, it does. Definitely. And also getting animals that are put in the shelters instead of buying a animal with papers.
0: Yeah, I know the last dog that I had uh, She was a rescue dog Oh Yeah, I always encourage people to get the rescue animals
3: Oh yes Yes, definitely That makes a big difference Uh, And spay and neuter
0: Yes, oh yeah
3: Yes, there's so many messages It's like amazing
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where can the fans follow you online? What's the best way to, to
3: Facebook Facebook is probably the best And then I keep people apprised on my website, which I told you, which it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I would say on Facebook or at www.Linnea-Quigley.com, I kind of let people know where I'm going to be. But Facebook, I can actually, you know, you can tell me something and I can respond to you and things like that when I have the time.
0: Oh, well, that's good. Well, we'll put those links up on uh, the podcast notes for this episode as well, and then everybody okay. knows where to follow you. That'll be good. Thank you. Oh, right. Well, listen, Tom, is there anything you'd like to say to Linnea <laughs> be- be- before we finish this time that we've had with her? I'm, I apologise, mate, but you knew that you knew this would happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did. It's fine. Um, well, just thank you for coming on, Linnea. It's been absolutely great to hear your stories.
3: Well, thank you. It's been great talking to you. And I'm glad that we finally connected, because there was that problem with the connection. Yeah, there was,
0: you... yeah we, we thought for a second
1: Tom would lost you for good. Oh,
0: I a, know. The oldest over computer. the cliff. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've got the oldest computer in the world, I so it's, uh, it's bound to happen every now and again. <laughs>
3: well, do you have a time machine? <laughs> <laughs> we could go back to 1982. That would be cool. Oh, that oh, would be, be great. That, that would be so cool. I I'd, I'd love it if they had a time machine, go back to 1982 and oh boy, I'd have to remake all those movies though. Oh my god.
0: But <laughs> we could watch them all again for the first time. That's so right. Really okay. That's oh. right. Yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but you well, guys listen, have been great.
0: Oh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and um well, like I said, as a fan for years, it's been very exciting, as you could probably tell. And the listeners could probably tell. They're probably laughing at <laughs> laughing at how excited I've been.
3: Oh, that's great. I'm so glad. I'm so glad.
0: And, and yeah, I'm glad well, they listened. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you'll be hearing from the listeners. And, well, I'll be going to your site and ordering that DVD, too. That's for sure.
3: Oh, well, I appreciate that so much.
0: That's all right. Well, listen, have a great time at Calgary. Uh, we hope it all goes well for you. Please... Okay. Um, Keep us updated with everything you're doing, and you know we'll we'll promote everything that you do quite happily.
3: Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me on.
0: That's all right. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Linnea.
3: Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.